the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Your word is sharper than any two-edged sword. And it cuts deep into my heart. The word to stand on for life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. A live call-in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the Word to your daily life. For more information on Calvary Chapel, visit our website, calvarysa.com. Get your Bible questions ready and call in now to 210-340-9585. It's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome to the Friday Show. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas. And this is The Word to Stand On for Life, a program dedicated to taking your phone calls and answering your questions, Bible questions, questions about stuff going on in your life, whatever's on your heart. All you have to do is pick up the phone and dial 210-340-9585. If you're outside the local San Antonio area, you can call toll-free at 877-630-KSLR. That's 630-5757. You can email questions to us by emailing questions at calvarysa.com. Or you can use our free Calvary Chapel of San Antonio mobile app. And as always, I remind you every day, if you're driving in your car, the safest way to call is to use the free KSLR mobile app. Just hit the call now banner at the top of the screen and you'll be connected directly to our studio producer. Hey, we've got a couple of things going on tonight. I'm going to be teaching one of my favorite passages in all of the New Testament. It's uh, the book of Colossians, uh, chapter 1, verses 15, 16, and 17. And it's all about Jesus, my favorite subject. So that's at 7 o'clock. You can watch it live stream at calvarysa.com. Or you can join us. We usually have some room here on Friday nights. And you would be blessed if you made it by and met some of the people here. Now, uh, today, oh, and by the way, Sunday, I'm in the book of Acts. As I think most of you know, we're starting in chapter 22 Uh, for our services on Sunday morning. Hey, today we have a special program, at least the first half of the program. Uh, We've got some special guests here. We're going to talk about a subject that's really near and dear to us. We've seen God move in amazing ways uh, through the fostering program and eventually, in some cases, um, uh, parents adopting their foster children and just watching lives change. So we're going to spend the first half hour of our program today talking with our two guests, Wanda Croft and John Wilhelm. I'll let them introduce themselves. Um, but if you have any questions about fostering uh, or or adoption, then um, Feel free to pick up the phone and call. I've got these two experts here. Wanda, John, thanks for being here. Hi there. Are you laughing because I called you an expert? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Wanda, why don't we start with you? Tell, tell, okay. tell us your story. Well, let's see. Scott and I um, adopted two boys going, well, five years ago already. I can't believe it's already right. been five years. Um, they are from here from San, the San Antonio area. It's completely changed our lives, of course. Um, we had two of our own already, and so I went from one, or two children to double children and then three sons. So, yes, definitely it has changed my life. <laughs> but the Lord's really just uh, shown off to see them, um, where they've come from and how they've grown. Yeah, one, one of the things, Wanda, that, that so blesses me is uh, to, to see the kids grow, to see them change, to see them walking with the Lord. I mean, that's the most important thing. Yes. And and uh, see how they've sort of assimilated not only into the family but the church body. It's been a blessing. So I guess you do it all over again. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, you know, it's God said. So we knew that. We knew, we've known that forever, and so we finally just um, did it. 
John, why don't you take over? Okay. Well, I'll just say, so John, I'll introduce him. Okay. So John was actually our um, our coach or mm-hmm. trainer, you know, when right. we were going through uh, the first uh, adoption agency. We ended up not going through with the adoption with that agency. And then we ended up going back through a patient I had when I was a hygienist. And she was connected to John. And we didn't know this until we started our classes again the second time around, and we found each other again. And so I just love this guy. And so that's why I wanted to bring him on. Thank you, Wanda. John, tell us your story a little bit, and then introduce what you do and who you do it with. Sure. So my name's John Wilhelm, and uh, currently serving as the president and CEO of One Hope for Kids, which is a faith-based Christian and we emphasize that, a Christian foster care and adoption agency. I haven't always worked in foster care. For the first 20 years of my life was a church-planting missionary. My wife and I met in college and felt called to the mission field. And so we went overseas and served the Lord in many different places. And it was really uh, serving behind the Iron Curtain in orphanages that God broke our heart for his kids and gave us a real love for children in need and were able to serve several orphanages in Russia, Bucharest, Romania, and different locations. And then over 15 years ago, God brought us back to the United States and brought us here to San Antonio where I discovered a new mission field that I had never really paid attention to, the abused and neglected children in our own backyards. And became aware of the tremendous need that there is for loving homes, and then learned that in Texas, Christians can share their faith with foster children. There's no restrictions on them, and began to ask, why aren't we doing this? And God brought me into social work, where I became a social worker and served uh, families, and um, eventually was part of the founding of One Hope for Kids, which is the agency that I now lead. And One Hope was created to serve the local church. We feel that the body of Christ, we feel that the body of Christ should be wrapping around these children, providing them homes, loving care for them. But many churches are intimidated to work with the government, and they need a go-between. And so One Hope was created to be that buffer to go into churches and explain the need for homes, for loving families. And then if churches feel called that that's an area that the Lord is calling them in to serve, that they can work alongside with us to raise up families, to take in the children, but also to raise up supporters to wrap around those families and to wrap around those children and to love them and most of all to share the gospel with them. It is our firm belief these children need God's love, and what better place to learn than in a loving Christian home. John, one of the things that you said, it's a Christian foster organization, and one of the frustrations that we've had uh, with some of our people in fostering situations is that it's been mandated that they can't make them go to church, they can't make talk about the Lord, and and you just said it's not always the case. Explain that. So there has been some changes in legislation in the last 20 years. There there are only two restrictions when it comes to sharing your faith with children from foster care. Those only two restrictions are, number one, you're not allowed to force them to convert. And... I don't think that works with birth children either. <laughs> that, that doesn't work. <laughs> that doesn't work with adults or anybody. That doesn't else. work with anyone. Yeah. So I have no problems with that regulation. The second one is, if a child comes into your home that is practicing another faith, then you have to honor that. But I will tell you, of the thousands of children that I've placed in homes, ninety-nine percent of them have no faith whatsoever. Yeah. They are entirely unchurched. Therefore. <clears throat> We are allowed to buy them Bibles. We're allowed to talk about Jesus. We're allowed to pray with them before bed. We are allowed in Texas to bring them to church, to send them to summer camp. All of those things are absolutely legal in Texas. Foster care is regulated by the states. Uh, There are other states where that is absolutely not true, where you're not allowed to bring up God at all. But we have God's favor in Texas, and right now 
Um, they are smiling on the church and allowing us to completely raise these children as we would our own. Well, one of the things that we were talking about before we went on the air is that the, the life uh, that, that we see come into these kids, uh, you know, they're from horribly uh, abusive situations, mm, yes. uh, neglected, unloved, and they're just empty shells of kids. Right. And it's so painful to watch. And we've seen kids that, that, that look like they were dead walking around. And, and when, when the Spirit of God is pushing uh, it's like life comes into them, Amen. and uh, I, if, if anybody would come to church and 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 see the kids running around here, we could point out to a half dozen or more of these kids who had no hope just a short time ago. And and one thing, John, that I've always discovered is that no matter your age, no matter your background, everybody eventually responds to love. Absolutely, and that's what they need more than anything else. They have come out of homes where. They weren't given love, where they weren't shown love, and <clears throat> they they need a lot. They need support. They need care. They need their needs met, but their number one need is love, and we believe their number one need is God's love, yeah. and that's that's what our homes are for, to share that love with them. Well, one of the things, Wanda, and I'm sure you'd agree with this, one of the things that fostering kids, bringing Kids, and especially you, because you had your own children. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but fostering kids, um, bringing them into an environment that's completely unnatural for them, requires the fruit of the spirit: love, joy, peace, mm-hmm. patience, mm-hmm. kindness, gentleness, <laughs> faithfulness, goodness, and self-control. And uh, w- would you share just a minute what kind of uh, adjustment issues did you have with your family? Uh, when the foster kids came in, and in the decision-making process to adopt those kids? Well, um, I can say clearly one thing I remember is at a ladies' retreat, like a year before we started uh, the our adoption classes, uh, again, the second time, right, the when we finally went, went all the way through with the adoption, was um, I remember I was, I was at the ladies' retreat, and I just remember in the middle of a study just, just hearing the Lord clearly say, um, this has nothing to do with you. It's all about those kids. And that's hard. That's a hard pill to swallow, you know, because um, it's, you know, and I, and of course I, I always remember the verse, like, you know, um, doesn't matter who's against you, right? You know, you have the Lord behind you, right? So I knew the Lord was already, you know, behind us, before us, you know, he's already gone before us. Um, and so, uh, but I was naive. Yeah. Unfortunately, it means it's easy, huh? Huh? Unfortunately, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was very naive. I will say, I will admit that, which is probably good. I needed to be naive to do it right. Um, but um, I've had to remind myself and and Scott, you know, even afterwards when they came in, it's just like, remember what God said. There's nothing to do with us. Like we're just we're just being His instrument, right? And then even though we've, you know, really uh, butted heads. Um, I, and then sometimes we, you can't help but wonder, like, are, were we the right parents? Were we the right kid, the right people to bring to bring them to this house? Right? Were we the right ones? And and I, I firmly now know it's like, well, yeah, because that kid needed a hard, you know, a hard parent, you know, or like somebody who's really going to discipline him and, and point him back to the Lord, because nobody was doing that, and so it's hard to do. It is so hard to do. And I think I think both of you would be be more than qualified to speak to this issue. But one of the things that happens, and I watched it happen not mm-hmm. only your family but others, the minute you make that step of faith and say, "Okay, this is what we're going to do," and God gives you this heart for these kids, um, th- then the enemy starts lying. Amen. Oh yeah. The enemy starts lying. You know, they're the wrong kids. They're never going to get better, and and think. And, and when you mentioned it's not about you, the Lord spoke to your heart at the mm-hmm. retreat. Um, I've been saying that to you for. 20 years mm-hmm. you know it's it's never about us it's about mm-hmm. what god wants to do right. and john you're an example of that you shared with me that you are an ordained pastor yes and sometimes people would think well how, how could a pastor end up doing uh this ministry and i would suggest that you probably need uh, more of a pastoral heart and pastoral gifting to do this yes than than, than to, to be over a church absolutely because we are walking alongside families that are dealing with children that have been through horrible trauma. And they bring in their doubts and their disobedience and their fears. And that takes a lot of coaching and a lot of 
support to those families. I have never once in doing this job missed being a pastor because I feel I'm I'm pastoring hundreds of families and and not to mention pastoring the staff that wrap around those families and support those families. And yes, um, having the gifting of a shepherd is very helpful in this job. Yeah, John, uh, I say to our church all the time that, that from my perspective, the only thing worse than no hope at all is false hope. Yes. And yet uh, these kids have literally no hope. That's right. They're, and and they, are, they are the ripest audience of all for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And especially if we get them young, um, nobody comes in and argues with us when they're 10 years old about Jesus. That's right. You know, they, 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 that when they're 16, 17, they do that, but, but not before that. So getting them early is pretty important, I think. It is wonderful when we have the chance to start with young children. And we, unfortunately, there are children who are mistreated in the womb, and they come straight out of the hospital into a loving Christian home because it's decided in the hospital that this is not a a place where they can go back to where they came from. And those children are from the, and that first year of life, they need to be nurtured and loved and the care that God intended them to have needs to be given to them. And that teaches them that they can love and that they can trust. And then as they grow, they're so open to hearing about God and God's love and about Jesus and, not to say that we don't have older children that come in that also receive the Lord because they're hungry. They, they're hungry for love and especially unconditional love. And if you can point them to Jesus, they'll, they'll soak it up. Well, I want to talk about older kids in a moment, but, but with infants, everybody's heart's touched by infants. Yes. There's babies that are abused, drug addicted yes. babies and alcoholic babies and all of that. What would somebody do? How, what direction would you give them? If, in fact, uh, they're thinking now, you know, I would love to have a baby in the home, and how could I help? What would you tell them to do? They should reach out to a foster an agency, a foster and adoption. Obviously, One Hope is one option. There are other. There's about 15 other foster care and adoption agencies in the Bear County area. How, how many of those, John, are Christian? Boy, that's a good question. Um, I, I can only think of maybe three. Yeah. That I know of. Okay, so for now we can suggest one hope. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Well, I definitely would suggest one hope. But there there are I, two or three. I others. did that because I knew you wouldn't. So. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Um but they they should contact those um agencies and let them know that they're interested. And the first thing to do is to gain more information because no one knows anything about foster care and adoption when they first start out. So we we offer monthly information meetings. They're just an hour long so that you can come in and just hear, what do I need to do? What are the steps? How does this work? And getting information, good information, is really an important first step. Can I add something? Um, I think it's also important to note that any way you can help is needed. You may not be the foster family, but you might be the family that supports the foster family. You might be the one who gives rides. You might be the one who babysits. Um, you might be the one who gives meals. You know, it's just a matter of, of putting yourself out there um, and just being willing to be God's hands and feet, and he'll tell you how to do it. But there is everything. There's a need for all of it, for older kids, for babies, There's a, for multiple families for medical doctors medical doctors yes all of it like there's just a need for any which way you can help i'm sure that there's a way for you to plug in and i and i think that's the the frustration to see how many people have a heart but don't don't just take that step of faith by going to the information meeting just simply that if you are in the audience and the Spirit of God is stirring your heart, you have any questions, 210-340-9585. Wanda and John will both be with us throughout this first half of the program today. Um, John, what the, the biggest need in terms of the age of children, uh, because they're less attractive, obviously, they're less cuddly and mm-hmm. all of that, are the older kids and we have a huge problem with kids aging out of the foster care system yes. and being being set free. Would you address that? The 
unfortunately, the statistics, if you if you refer to those, of what the future life will be for a child that ages out of foster care. When we, we say age out when they turn 18 and they're no longer a minor, are very sad. Uh, half of the, the males that turn 18 and leave foster care will be incarcerated within two years. 99% of the women who age out either are pregnant or already have a child. It is very discouraging to see what their future is without God. And so we, we have a tremendous need for families that are willing to take teenagers. And I understand teenagers are scary, but if that is something that's on your heart, then we will come alongside you and help you to care for them. It is a wonderful gift to give a foster care teenager a home because most of them are in group facilities because we don't have enough families to say yes to teenagers. Yeah, and I think they're a little more cynical and they take a little bit yes. more time. They're, they're, they're skeptical of the love. They yes. don't understand it. And they're waiting for the rug to be sort of pulled out That's from right. underneath them. That's right. Uh, but the rewards, I think, are even greater. They're amazing. And they, they consider big people suspect. Yeah. Because they've been harmed and hurt by grown-ups. And so it is more work. But then how much richer the reward when you see that trust develop, when you see that responsiveness grow. Yeah. Wanda, when you adopted Carlos, mm-hmm. I mean, you got him in foster care, and then mm-hmm. you adopted him. How old was he when you got him into foster care, and then when you adopted him? What was the time difference? I will say our our situation was kind of unique. Um we were able to adopt within like a year. And so um, he came in in January and we adopted by August, both him and, ja- and Jasper. Um, but let me say this about teenagers. Um, I think Carlos is the best behaved one of, out of all four of them. You know, <laughs> he came in, he, we met him when he was 11. Now, now, Sabine, if she's listening to this, she's going to be upset. Even Sabina. <laughs> Sabina's perfect. Don't mess with Sabina. Um, no, I, I I have been amazed for him being a teenage boy because he was, I mean, like we adopted him at 12 then. So he's so easy. He's been the easiest one. I mean, granted, there's always, you know, personalities, but uh, Car- Carlo, it amazes Carlos me. Carlos was shy and withdrawn. And uh, it seems like within a year... He's doing magic tricks in our talent shows. Mm-hmm. He's involved in everything in our Christmas plays and everything else. And he's been delightful. And, and you know, this is a little selfish, but I get a yard guy out of it. <laughs> and, and, and he's and he's also really smart because it didn't take him long to, to rope Scott into doing most of the work. Right, at, right, at, at right, right. So, exactly. So he's it's pretty been genius. a great deal for me. We're, we're now inside about four minutes for this half of the program. Um um, you know, we real Christians are pro-life. Yes, and 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 that's just not protecting abortion and mm-hmm. and and children who are being murdered in this country at horrendous rates. Um, but but the foster care program is one of the most pro-life statements that we can make because mm-hmm. we're really reaching out to the lost and the hurting, yes. those who are mm-hmm. broken, those who through no fault of their own have just been dealt a bad hand. John, would you? Take us to the end here today and just talk about that a little bit without crying. That's the, <laughs> that's the challenge. Our children, children, God is a loving God, and God's plan was for children to be raised by loving moms and dads. And when they don't have that, then they they miss the key pieces of life. And we need moms and dads that can come and bring that peace back. And so our, our children come in, and they've been through a lot of trauma. They've been harmed by the very people that were supposed to protect them yeah. were the ones harming them. And what does that do to their understanding of God, of God's love? And so what a, what a restoration, what a transformation it is when they come into a home that can share God's love with them, that can show them unconditional love, that can show them also structure and can show them that they can succeed. Many of our children believe, 
I'm I'm never going to succeed in life. Yeah, I'm, I I have no value. No I, that's absolutely yeah. right. And for us to show them, you were created by the maker of the universe, and he only makes beautiful things, and he made you. And to give that message to them, what a gift. And they can hear it, but it takes time before they believe it. It has to be lived out before them so that they can really receive and accept that. Yeah, you know, guys, Romans 5, five says that God pours out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And and the idea isn't that, that these foster kids, because they're needy, it's not like they replace your love for your, your natural children, if that's the case. But God just expands your heart and your yes. capacity to love. Yes. And uh, I think it's safe to say, one, I know your experience, but, but with the Aguilars and, and the others here who've adopted, uh, their lives have been enriched immeasurably by these kids. And, and wouldn't you say that it's you who get blessed the most? Absolutely. Yeah. Hey, thanks for tuning in. We've got 30 minutes left in the program. 340-9585. We'll get back to questions and calls. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh. We'll be back in two minutes. To the word to stand on for life. We're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. Now, here's Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome back to the second half of our Friday show, 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. Before I let Wanda and John go, um, I, I want to give Wanda an opportunity to talk about uh, her nonprofit, her and Scott, that they've started, and and talk about that to the audience, Wanda. Thank you. Um, okay, so we um, have started a nonprofit called Fostering Memories. Our website is uh, fosteringmemoriestx.com. Um, our whole goal is to gift foster and adopt families a day of fun. So we've been we've had the opportunity to uh, go out and do fun things like rent a boat and do some zip lining and stuff that's you know maybe out of price range. And so the Lord really put it on my heart when he said, why is it always about you and your family? Why don't you take someone else out? <laughs> so again, the Lord reminds me, it's not about you. Um, but anyway, we were able, and I, I knew the Holy Spirit was telling me like, yeah, you know what? He's right. Like, how fun would that be to take some kids out and rent a boat and like, you know, experience it again through their eyes for the first time. And so the first family we took out was a mom with five adopted kids. And um, it was just an incredible feeling to bless them that way. So which led to starting the nonprofit. So we've we've done a couple of other things. You know, we've we've had some kids that um taken them to iFly. Uh we're we're gonna go do some uh, a fun night at the botanical gardens with another foster family that that um John's wife Katie referred to us. Um and just you know trying to give them new memories. You know, the whole point is is try to replace some of those bad memories they may have and give them new memories and and also to get these families outside of the house get kids off the phones get the, the parents off the phones get them outside doing things together um you know whether it's running a boat or 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 doing a obstacle course you know just something that's maybe out of their price range we, we'd love to try to help um we'd love to you know somehow just just help to encourage the the bonding that needs to take place because it's it's hard enough to bond with your own children it's that much harder to bond with foster children, right? Now, it, it, they contact you through the website? Yes, they can okay, contact give you the website, the website. web address. So, again, it's um, www.fosteringmemoriestx.com. And so just drop me an email through there, and maybe we can make something happen. We'd love to try to. Cool. Thank you guys for being here. Appreciate it very, very much. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you. Well, let's get to questions that you've sent in, and we wait your phone calls for the last part of the program. I appreciate John and Wanda being here. Um, pray about this. This is the kind of thing that you take before the Lord. If the Lord is stirring your heart, um, there is such a need. You know, I get people coming to me all the time wanting to know, well, how can I serve the Lord? This is one of the areas that I think we don't typically just, it doesn't come to mind in heart. So, um, pray. See what the Lord wants to do. 
Here's a question that came in yesterday at the end of the program. Uh, Good afternoon, Pastor. Yesterday in our daily Bible study, we read John 20, where it says that Jesus told his disciples that if they forgave someone's sins, they would be forgiven. And if they did not forgive their sins, they would not be forgiven. I understand that only God can forgive sins. Um, This is from Emily. Emily um, you know, I, I can't soften what Jesus said. Now, I think that, that we've we got to look at this in context. And and Jesus is simply expecting that those of us who are his, those of us who are born again, we're new people, the old is gone, the new has come. I think the assumption, and the Apostle Paul makes the same assumption in his letters, the assumption is that we would be eager to forgive. Now, you're right, only God can forgive sins. But what we're talking about is those things that we hold against other people, the grudges we hold, the anger we hold on to, those kinds of things. And I think what Jesus is telling uh, his disciples, that uh, they had the authority to go out and pronounce forgiveness of sins. Uh, It's that simple. Um, if if they wouldn't accept it, then they could not be forgiven. But if they would accept the message, the gospel, you see, it's the gospel that is the key. Uh, the uh, disciples who would be apostles, they had the opportunity to be um, God's instruments through whom the message of forgiveness would be communicated. And uh, while this isn't exactly what Jesus meant, we always need to remember that the responsibility, and Jesus told parables about this, the responsibility is that that we are willing to give, to extend the same forgiveness that God gave to us, to others. And that's one of the ways that we can be identified as followers of Jesus Christ. So it's it's not the the disciples themselves. They couldn't forgive anybody's sins, but they could by delivering the message and somebody receiving the message, they could pronounce the forgiveness of their sins. And of course, that mission has been going on for nearly 2,000 years, Emily. So that's the answer to the question. Um, It's the message. Once accepted, we can say, and it's still the same thing today, uh, when somebody receives Jesus Christ, when they ask forgiveness of their sins, when they repent of those sins, and I think repentance is a key element here, when they ask for forgiveness of those sins and they turn away from those sins, we can say the grace of God has forgiven you. Grace is unmerited favor, and that's the key. We have the message to freedom. We have the message of forgiveness. So, Emily, I hope that answers your question. Thank you very, very much for the question. Here's an interesting question that somebody would ask me. Paul says, Pastor, on a bodybuilding contest, performance-enhancing drugs are not illegal. Would that make it okay for a Christian to use them? Now, Paul, obviously you've been looking at my pictures online, and you think I would know all about bodybuilding, but I really don't know anything about bodybuilding. I didn't even know that performance-enhancing drugs were not illegal. I just would have assumed that they are. But... Generally speaking, uh, if you are a bodybuilder, if you're interested in competing and you're competing against people who are making the the the, the, the competition unfair because they're taking drugs, um, it doesn't. It still doesn't mean that's right for you to do so. I think this is one of the areas where we really have to seek the Lord. Romans fourteen twenty three says that anything not of faith is sin, and if if there is a check in your spirit about this, then you can't in good faith make that step. So is it okay for a Christian to use performance-enhancing drugs? Um, my my off-the-cuff answer would be, uh, no, it's not okay. Um, doing things the right way, the Bible says that we're to do all things is unto the Lord. And if, in fact, um, we have to cheat to get ahead, I understand the argument logically can be made. Well, if it's not illegal, then it's not cheating. Everybody's doing it. But this is one of those areas, Paul, where as a believer, your, your goal is to please the Lord. That's what Paul says. Find out what pleases the Lord. And he'll let you know. And he'll tell you, I don't want you to do this. And, and um, you know, do the best you can. It's unto the Lord. Do it with the right heart. 
and then give him the opportunity. Honestly, Paul, beyond that, I don't know anything at all about bodybuilding contests. And so um, I'm probably not the best person to ask. Here is an anonymous question. It says, uh, do you believe that the Bible was corrupted by Constantine in the 4th century? Um, no, we really didn't have our, 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 I mean, that would have been the early stages of the letters that we now know as our New Testament being circulated throughout the early church and church history. Uh, Constantine certainly was not a believer. Uh, he is the one who declared Christianity the official um, religion of the world. Remember, Rome was the center of the world of that time. And uh, there was a lot of corruption going on by Constantine. But no, the Bible was not corrupted by Constantine, nor has the Bible been corrupted by anybody else. Now, over the years, as I'm sure you're aware, the Roman Catholic Church has added books to the Bible, the Apocrypha. Uh, they are books that don't bel- that don't belong there. They are uh, they they have historical value, and in many cases, they're interesting. Um, but they're not inspired by God. They weren't written by the Lord like the other 66 books of our Bible uh, were inspired by God. Um, so Constantine can be blamed for a lot, but God has protected his Bible from the beginning of time. The the, the, the links that the world has gone to uh, to try to uh, get rid of the Bible are so extreme, and yet God just laughs because the Word of God will endure forever. That's what Jesus said. Every jot and tittle will be fulfilled. And um, while there's a lot wrong with the Roman Catholic Church, um, well, the idea of of a a national religion uh, has always caused all kinds of corruption and resulted in really the death of the life of the Spirit in a church um, we don't have to worry about our Bible. So no, um, Constantine uh, was no match against God, even if he wanted to corrupt the Bible. He had his own reasons. They weren't godly reasons, but he had his own reasons for declaring uh, Christianity to be the official religion of the world. And of course, um, the Roman Catholic Church or the universal church, uh, that's what Catholic means. Um, uh, that's when things started to go south. You know, the 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 church was growing. Um, the church was alive. Uh, and when the government got involved, that's when everything began to go south. Great, great books on church history. Um, but remember, one of the things about church history, just because they lived it doesn't mean they were right. And, um, you know, our track record church history in the world that we live in is just not very good. And one of the things that always frustrates me is you get these scholars who think, well, this is the way church history has always looked at this verse and that verse. They were wrong about so many things. Why in the world would we assume that they know any more than we do or that they're the authority? God has given us his spirit and we can open his word and we can interpret it just taking what it says. We can exegete the Bible and it's living and active, sharper than the double-edged sword. It's everything we need for correction, for rebuking, uh, for edifying. Uh, everything we have is there. So, hope that helps. 340-9585 on our Friday show. Oscar uh, is upset. He says, I dated a Christian woman who has cut me off because I'm not a Christian. This has hurt me deeply, and I can't understand how Christians can be so narrow-minded. Oscar, uh, and, and I don't know you, this isn't personal, but that's why she cut you off, because you can't understand. Why would anybody want to get involved in a marriage with somebody who's not going to be in heaven? It's that simple. Why would somebody, in, in, in your case, a woman, why would she want to be involved in a relationship with somebody who's going to spend eternity separated from God. If she loves Jesus, and Jesus says not to be an equally yoked, and that means a believer and an unbeliever together, then she's demonstrating that she loved Jesus even more than she loved you. And that stand for Jesus, I hope, will open your eyes and open your heart and your mind. Because her faith means that much to her. That's not being narrow-minded at all. That's simply... A woman who was committed to Jesus Christ, committed to obedience, committed to her faith in Christ, somebody who was not a hypocrite. And uh, 
when you say she cuts you off, I don't know how deeply you were involved. But this is a woman who has pleased the Lord immensely by choosing him even over you. And if she cared about you, I know it caused her a lot of pain. I, 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 I understand and empathize with the pain that you're in. But you need to understand that she wants a husband who's going to be like Jesus. She wants a husband that's going to love her the way Christ loved the church, giving himself up for her. She wants a husband that she's going to be able to spend eternity with. And if you refuse to believe, well, that's on you. Here's my suggestion. Oscar, get saved. Get saved. Her Jesus means enough to her that she was willing to say goodbye to you. And again, it's caused you pain. I'm sure it caused her pain. But she's taking a stand for her faith. And if you want any hope at all of getting together with this woman, then you've got to follow Jesus with all of your heart. I always tell women especially that when they're looking for a husband or when men start to come around, make sure, not just listen to what people say, but make sure that the man they're interested in loves Jesus more than they do. So if you have any chance at all with this woman, Oscar, you need to get saved, get excited about your walk with Jesus, let him forgive your sins, fill you with his presence, that's the Spirit of God, and you'll change your life. And one day you could look back on this pain and say, best thing that ever happened to me because it was that pain that drove me to Jesus Christ. God wants to forgive you, Oscar, of your sins. All you have to do is believe what's obvious. The evidence is overwhelming. Jesus claimed he was God. People laughed. They mocked. They ended up murdering him. But you see, he proved he really was God because he didn't stay dead. And the evidence both for his crucifixion and his resurrection are overwhelming. And to miss the evidence, you have to want to. You've got to have your mind so set up. Your heart has to be so hard. I don't care what the evidence says. I just can't believe. Just follow the evidence. Repent of your sins. And you can be with the Lord. And who knows? Maybe you'll get so excited that this woman will let you back into her heart. Oscar, thank you for writing in. But Christians aren't narrow-minded at all. They're just Jesus-minded, and that's what matters the most. Here is an anonymous question. It says, um, I am not excited about going to heaven. And then parenthetically, he or she says, I want to go there instead of hell. But she says, I'm not excited about going, or he says, I'm not excited about going to heaven because I want to live my life here on earth out. I was told I should feel guilty about that. Thoughts? Um, I'm never a proponent of feeling guilty about stuff. If, I mean, if you're guilty, feeling guilty is good. Um, but but here's the thing. If you're not excited about going to heaven, if you think this world even has a chance of comparing to what God has in store for you, then you don't understand Jesus at all. So here's what I would say to you, Anonymous. I would say you need to fall in love with Jesus. You need to learn more about him tonight in our Bible study here at Calvary Chapel. Um, uh, we're going to talk about who he really is, a picture of Jesus in all of his glory. And, um, you know, it's only when you really discover who he is and how much he loves you that heaven is attractive. Heaven isn't just floating around on a cloud like it's portrayed in cartoons and in movies. Heaven is being with Jesus. Peter calls that the goal of our salvation. And so if being with Jesus is the goal of being saved, there ought to be nothing that excites you more than being with Jesus. So don't feel guilty about that, but do something about it and learn more about Jesus and what he has for you. I understand wanting to see kids grow. I understand wanting to experience monument moments in life. But for me, Anonymous, and for every believer, even even believers like you who don't really know it yet, there's nothing better 
that could happen to us than for Jesus to call his church home to be with him. To be with Jesus, Paul says, is better by far. And all we got to do is believe it. Your perspective needs some changing. And the way to do that is to get in the Word, spend time with the Lord, and let him pour out his love on you. You know, Paula always calls me her second husband. And that's because she loves Jesus way more than she loves me. I love Jesus way more than I love Paula. And we really love each other. But seeing him is the best thing that can happen to any one of us. One other thing I would say to you, Anonymous, is look around at the condition of this world. Jesus is coming soon. I'm getting to the place where I can't think of attractive things in this world. Now, I love what I'm able to do. I love our church body. I love the ministry that God has given us. I love it all. But this is just sort of warm-up for heaven. And when Jesus calls us to be with him, and again, I'm going to repeat, that could be very, very soon. And we need to be ready. So those are my thoughts. I don't want you feeling guilty, but I want you to understand that that is not a biblical perspective on life. Now, I enjoy my life. I love it. And I want every last minute out of it. Uh, As long as the Lord is using me, I want to be used. But I reserve the right to let him reserve the right to change that timetable at any moment. Hope that helps. We're inside five minutes now for the program. Rico says, uh, Paul wrote that Jesus canceled the law, but Jesus in Matthew 5 says he came to fulfill the law. That seems like a contradiction to me. Um, the, The law, Rico, could only be canceled after it had been fulfilled. Jesus had to live a perfect, sinless life. That's the fulfillment of the law. And let me just go one better. Not just the letter of the law, but the whole point of Matthew uh, 5, 6, and part of 7 is Jesus is raising the stakes. He's saying it's not just the letter of the law you've got to keep perfectly, but it's the spirit behind the law that you have to keep. And in Matthew chapter 5, verse 48, he says, here's the standard. You want to, the, the, the facts. Be ye perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. And he said, that's that's what you got to do. If you don't want to believe in me to get to heaven, that's what you have to do, be perfect. Now, none of us can. But Jesus was. And that's why he was able to counsel the law, but only because first he fulfilled the law. He says the law was canceled because the law was against us. And the reason the law was against us, the law was good, But the reason the law was against us is because nobody could cancel it. It couldn't accomplish what God wanted. God wanted fellowship, Rico, with you, and he wanted fellowship with me. And unless we're perfect, Jesus gave us his righteousness. Now, practically, we're not perfect, but his blood covers our imperfection, and Jesus has made it possible for God to view us as completely righteous, completely perfect. And that's the reason that the law had to be canceled. Jesus said in the upper room, this is the cup of the new covenant. He erased, he canceled the old covenant of law. This is the cup of the new covenant written in my blood. So I hope that makes sense to you. Uh, Mickey says, and this probably will be our last question today. Mickey says, uh, Pastor Ron, what does the Bible say about gun ownership? It seems that to have a gun is a lack of faith in God's ability to protect us. Um, Mickey, it, it has, th- those two things have nothing to do with one another. The Bible didn't say anything about gun ownership because guns, uh, frankly, didn't exist. They had uh, swords and they had spears and they had bows and arrows and, and chariots and they had, they had plenty of uh, weaponry to wreak havoc. But um, guns weren't around when Jesus was around. And... and um, um, that's why the Bible doesn't really mention guns at all. But to say that having a gun, people that want to protect themselves or protect their families, um, to, to say that that demonstrates all the faith 
and God uh, is really, really a huge stretch. That's like saying that um, if you go to a doctor, then you don't have faith in God to heal. Um, those things are not true. So um, our nation's um, laws allow us the freedom to have uh, guns. We can own them. Um, it's it's a freedom given to us in our Constitution. So what we need to do, Mickey, is decide for ourselves do we want a gun. But it doesn't say anything at all about somebody's faith. So if you want to have a gun, go for it. Um, if you don't want to have a gun, that's okay too. The Constitution doesn't say we have to. But but the issue is nothing to do with faith at all. I believe that God is going to protect me. But sometimes we have to be aggressive. The world that we live in is lost, and there's a lot of evil out there. Mickey, thanks for the question. Hey, thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to The Word to Stand On for Life. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas. Lord willing, I'll be back on Monday at 4 o'clock on AM 630 The Word. We'll see you then. Thanks for spending this time with Calvary Chapel's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The Word to Stand On for Life is on every weekday afternoon at 4, and Pastor Ron invites you to find out more about Calvary Chapel at calvarysa.com. The Word to Stand On for Life was sponsored by Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.